Chapter Twenty Three of The Widow Married, a sequel to The Widow Barnaby by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Three, practical information carefully obtained and promptly acted upon. A great change takes place to all outward appearance in the fortunes of the O'Donagough family. Mister O'Donagough feels this and confesses it. Happy prognostications the adventure made a considerable change in the proceedings of mr o'donagough a very few inquiries sufficed to assure him that sir henry seymour was a young man of large and unencumbered estate with the accumulated product of fifteen years minority just placed at his own disposal that he was moreover of a gay and pleasure-loving temperament and conceived to be exceedingly liberal in his expenditure and generous in disposition it was not likely that a man of mr o'donagough's discernment could be insensible to the value of such a character or in the least degree indifferent to the probable advantages it might bring to all who were fortunate enough to fall into intimate connection with it neither was there any danger that he should undervalue the degree of influence which his knowledge of the young man's private affairs was likely to give him with all this working strongly together in his brain he soon came to the conclusion that no half-measures could suit the present position of his affairs and without confessing even to the wife of his bosom that he had greatly changed his immediate plans he set about looking for a house in good earnest and determined that this should be such a one as should aid all the bold projects he had in view had he deemed it wisest best mr o'donagough was not without the means of furnishing a splendid mansion in very showy style and yet not leaving a single morsel of lacquer or ormolu unpaid for but he was far too clever a man to risk on any speculation a single sixpence more than was needful to give it a fair chance of success and he therefore decided upon selecting a ready-furnished house as the scene of his first attempt on a large scale in london should it fail should vexatious accidents of any kind arise to cut short his career the loss might be easily calculated and a retreat easily effected his resolution once taken he lost no time in putting it into execution an extremely gay-looking residence in curzon street in the rent of which the proprietor was disposed to make some sacrifice for the sake of letting it for a year and at an unfavourable season fixed him at once he agreed without difficulty to pay the rent in advance and exactly one week from the day on which he had been led into the confidence of sir henry seymour he informed his wife and daughter that he had secured for their use for the year next ensuing an elegant mansion in one of the most fashionable streets in london the effect of this news upon mrs o'donagough was very like that of intoxication only that the symptoms continued to show themselves for weeks instead of hours at first she began to talk with exceeding rapidity seemingly indifferent whether any one listened to her or not then she laughed much and often having no obvious cause for it whatever and then she would sit in strange abstractedness with a look that might have been mistaken for a sign of headache or approaching somnolency but which in truth betokened the very reverse being rather an evidence of faculties particularly awake and intent on very high and mighty objects patty was altogether in a state of mind and spirits which rendered the fine house of small comparative importance though had she at any moment been told that there's no such thing it is probable to use her own phraseology that she would have cried her eyes out but so predominant were the ideas that she was certainly going to have jack for a husband and to be called my lady that no subjects of lesser interest could long retain possession of her memory 
the friendship of the two miss perkinses was at this time invaluable and so thoroughly aware did mrs o'donagough become of the absolute necessity of having some one on whom she could discharge her thoughts that she induced her husband to abandon entirely his visionary friends at richmond and confess that he found it was quite necessary they should remain in their little bit of a lodging till their own house was ready for them this obviated all difficulties and the excellent miss perkinses trotted daily from brompton to the bit of a lodging and from the bit of a lodging to curzon street with a resolute perseverance that nothing but the most devoted friendship could have inspired beautiful rooms ain't they louisa isn't the third drawing-room a perfect paradise matilda what a place for flirting girls that sofa in the recess is the prettiest thing i ever saw in my life said mrs o'donagough for the twenty-seventh time as her two friends and her daughter roamed about the house from garret to cellar on the third day after it was taken how i do wish they would get these tiresome beds put up isn't it too hard to have such a house as this and not be able to get into it donny donny where in the world has your father got to patty he never is in the right place by the by dears i must leave off calling him donny mustn't i it will never do in such a drawing-room as this to be sure it is quite unaccountable how one does get into foolish vulgar ways sometimes and it's a proof isn't it that one always ought to keep oneself up even if one sees nobody nor nothing however there is no great danger of my not getting out of it again my first recollections are of the most refined kind this is a charming house to be sure but no more to be compared to silverton park than chalk to cheese i shall like to see our friends the officers here matilda won't it be nice these words instantly brought the lady she addressed to her side for though till that moment she had been entirely engrossed by her friend the future lady seymour there was in them a charm powerful as magic to which the endearing i say matilda of her young friend was in comparison but idle breath dearest mrs o'donagough returned the fluttered and flattered young lady gliding across the room to her with a movement not unlike that of a figure cut in paper and blown across a table by the artificer dearest mrs o'donagough how i long to see you installed with all your proper style and state about you and receiving company in your own elegant and graceful way to be sure there never was any one so perfectly made by nature as one may say to give parties as you are your manners your kindness your person your very style of dress all seem formed on purpose for it i am sure it is a blessing and an honour and a happiness to know you well well tilda we shall see we shall see by the by i'll tell you what i should like as well as anything in the whole job and that is making my old ramshorn aunt betsy come to see me here won't i make her remember the bees and the bread and milk notwithstanding all the eager attention with which miss matilda looked up into her face most sincerely wishing to understand every word she uttered there was a mystery in this allusion which defied her sagacity stretched as it was to the very utmost and she could only reply by laying her hand with a fond squeeze on the plump arm of her magnificent friend and repeating with a little coaxing laugh dearest mrs o'donagough but that's neither here nor there resumed the great lady recollecting herself i was thinking of bygone times when that crabbed old soul was a perfect tyrant to me i don't mean of course that she was not always living in very high style as a person of her noble birth and immense possessions ought to do 
but you know my dear many old people both rich and poor like nothing so well as tormenting young ones and what i said about the bees and bread and milk came from recollecting the time when she kept bees for her own amusement in some most elegant golden hives and then instead of letting me look at them ordered the footman to take me to the housekeeper or the lady's maid i'm sure i forget which to eat bread and milk for supper so spiteful of her wasn't it matilda spiteful indeed dearest mrs o'donagough i cannot conceive how any human being could ever have the heart to be otherwise than kind and affectionate and in fact altogether doting upon you replied miss matilda i don't suppose there was a person she continued so made in every way to be liked and loved as you are i am sure louisa and i sit by the hour together and have done ever since we first knew you talking of nothing in the world but your particular manner of being delightful to everybody poor dear louisa you know is very shy but she declares that in your company she forgets it entirely and feels as easy and as happy almost as if she was quite by herself i am very glad to make louisa happy and you too my dear replied mrs o'donagough swelling a little as she was wont to do when called upon to assert her dignity but to tell you the real truth my dear miss matilda perkins i shall feel that i owe it to myself when i get into this house and to my family also to keep up with most people that sort of dignity and reserve which my station requires i can assure you that silverton park when i was quite a newly married and very young woman though it was celebrated through all the west of england as a scene of the most delightful hospitality never witnessed the slightest attempt at undue familiarity from any of its innumerable guests towards me as this was uttered with appropriate accent and attitude the soul of the gentle matilda seemed to die within her as she listened to it but mrs o'donagough on perceiving the effect she had produced felt satisfied that she might again relax a little with safety and immediately added but you and your sister are particular friends you know and i shall never insist upon any alteration in your manners when we are quite by ourselves when there are strangers present of course you will understand that there should be a difference what do you say prosing there for matilda cried patty at this moment turning from an unprofitable examination of the empty street come here can't you you know i have got lots of things to say and you may just as well leave mamma alone louisa will do for her to count over the chairs and tables with what a madcap exclaimed mrs o'donagough with a graceful air of elegant indulgence go to her my dear and send your sister louisa to me she is quite lost poor thing in the delight of walking about these pretty rooms for after all i can't say i consider them as anything more than merely pretty however they will do very well till that wild girl of mine is sobered down into a woman of fashion and a wife and then i flatter myself that mr allen o'donagough will think it right and proper to take me into a square to live this house is all very well for a street but i very much doubt if sir henry get along matilda added the tender mother pointing to the frowning beauty who stood impatiently waiting for her listener while this harangue went on go on to her dear and tell her she must never let sir henry see such a face as that miss matilda who had stood between the mother and daughter during mrs o'donagough's last speech like a bit of rubbish on the wave of a retreating tide seemingly returning from time to time but really becoming more distant at every movement joyfully accepted this dismission and ere another moment had passed was enjoying herself in the balcony of the front room with patty once more hanging upon her arm how can you be such a fool matilda as to stand listening for an hour together to mamma's humdrums 
said the young lady judiciously placing herself and her friend as much out of sight of those within the windows as the premises would allow a child of five years old could manage better than you do upon my word patty you are out there replied her friend it is from no want of wit or will either on my part if i leave you for a moment for goodness knows i had rather be talking with you than anything else in the world excepting you know when you happen to be engaged in another way or she added after a pause and with a deep sigh or if poor foxcroft was even again to steal into my heart with his delicious converse oh for that matter i never want to spoil sport any more than you do matilda we are both of us good-natured girls in that way do as you would be done by that is our motto isn't it but i have no notion of your leaving me with my finger in my eye because i have got no one to speak to while you stand palavering with mamma said miss o'donagough but i must patty if it is her will and pleasure you know i can tell you if you don't know it already that your mamma expects a great deal more attention and ceremony and all that sort of thing now a great deal more indeed than she did at brighton in short she says to herself openly and plainly and i see as plain as daylight that if i am not very attentive and respectful all the fat will be in the fire and what will become then of all the happiness we expect together returned her friend once for all matilda i'll tell you plainly that you had better mind your hits between mamma and me i won't bear to be neglected for any one and if you don't choose to be my particular friend and stand by me through thick and thin without caring a pin for anybody else somebody else shall that's all i have no notion of mamma setting herself up for no other reason in the world than just because my jack happens to be a sir and who has the best right to set themselves up because of that i wonder so you will just please to take your choice miss matilda oh my darling only patty returned the terrified favourite in an accent which seemed to predict a shower of tears how can you speak so cruelly do you not know how i dote upon you don't you know that excepting my poor dear foxcroft to whom i am determined to be as faithful as you have been to your jack don't you know that excepting him there is no living creature in the whole wide world that i love and dote upon as i do you very well then don't let us say any more about it but tell me matilda what do you think i ought to say the first time my beautiful sweetheart asks me downright to marry him say my dearest creature why just at the very first i suppose you must say that you are too young to think of such a thing but suppose he should take me at my word matilda suppose he should really go away again for heaven knows how long just as he did when he went to sheerness you know what would become of me then oh you must take care of that dearest you must take care that he does not out and out suppose you are quite in earnest common sense teaches one you know when one says anything of that kind to do it with a sort of look or hesitation or something or other that shall make a man understand if he is not a very great fool indeed that you don't mean to kill him with cruelty well then that will be got over without danger for my sir henry jack is no fool i promise you replied patty exultingly but i say matilda how long do you think it will be before we shall be all right and ready to invite him quite directly i should think as soon as you have got into the house i mean replied her patient friend who had listened to the same question and made the same answer about a hundred and fifty times since the curzon street house had been taken meanwhile mr o'donagough who in his own way and in a less demonstrative manner was quite as desirous of getting things entre as either patty or her mother did an immense deal of business in a wonderfully short space of time and performed it all with as much skill as despatch 
it would not be easy to paint mrs o'donagough's ecstasy when she found that her generous husband intended she should possess both a very tall footman and a very little tiger it was as she told miss louisa perkins a proof of such lover-like attention as she never could forget such a multitude of people you know my dear are absolutely obliged to do with only one or the other that i feel very greatly touched i must confess by his so positively insisting that i should have both oh my dear louisa how heartily i wish that you and poor matilda too had exactly such a husband as mr o'donagough you have no idea i am quite sure it is impossible that you should have any idea how excessively kind he is to me good miss louisa fancied she had remembered a few little scenes not quite accordant with this testimony but she was far too obliging a person to remind mrs o'donagough at this happy moment of circumstances which had occurred at one less so and therefore only replied by uttering a sigh in a sort of coaxing cadence long drawn out which might be written thus oh 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 poor things muttered mrs o'donagough as she bustled off to receive and examine a dingy-looking woman who came as a candidate for the honour of being her cook and who like all other desirous of a place in her household presented herself at a given hour in the grand drawing-room of curzon street poor things what a shocking misfortune it is to be sure not getting a husband at all yet bless me so thin as they are and with such light little eyes what could they expect at length the important day arrived that was to convert mr o'donagough from a lodger into a householder a transition which from his lively recollection of past events amused as much as delighted him the footman the tiger the cook and the housemaid were all made aware that though the family had been constantly coming to town to look after the house they were nevertheless resident at richmond this was a sort of fact which mr o'donagough himself was particularly anxious to establish knowing as he sometimes hinted to his wife the real value of appearances a good deal better than she did he therefore arranged the ceremony of their entree into their mansion in the following manner mrs o'donagough and patty having been despatched by an early coach to an hotel at richmond the husband and the father superintended the removal of all trunks boxes bundles and baskets by a cart from the lodgings to the house and then mounting into an omnibus he rejoined the ladies indulged them very liberally with sandwiches cheesecakes and porter and then handed them into a post-chaise which four horses drew at full gallop to the inexpressible delight of patty to the mansion in curzon street where they were received by the footman the tiger the housemaid and the cook in a style which caused emotions in the breast of mrs o'donagough more easily imagined than described a well-spread tea-table awaited them and it was then and there that mr o'donagough thought fit to enter more at length than he had yet done into a statement of which he wished and expected from the two ladies under the novel circumstances in which they were now placed the conversation was however opened by his lady well my patty she exclaimed contriving by a skilful movement of her impressive person to bring her luxurious armchair a little nearer to the fire isn't this glorious i should like it better if there was more company replied her candid daughter that is very natural my dear observed her father gravely but it is not civil to say so and now we are on the chapter of manners it is just as well to tell you both at once that i must desire and insist that you are very careful on that point manners make the man you know and they make the woman too i promise you quite as much as fine eyes and a fresh complexion 
you must both of you be exceedingly careful to be always ladylike and perfectly genteel in everything you say and do mrs o'donagough became exceedingly red in the face while this was said not mrs malaprop when her parts of speech were attacked could feel more indignant than she did at this insinuation respecting the perfection of her manners this is something new she exclaimed while her expansive bosom heaved almost convulsively this is breaking out in a new place mr o'donagough i must say and pray what are you going to put into my daughter's head next if my manners are not good enough to be a model for her i should like very much to know where she is to find one from my very earliest childhood my manners have been remarked and it is not for me to repeat what has been said of them but this i will say that i believe you are the first that ever found out there was anything in my manners to be mended upon my honour my dear i did not mean to say anything at all affronting about your manners of course i admire them extremely replied mr o'donagough but patty is very young you know as yet and therefore i think it is as well to give her a hint that she must be careful not to be too frolicsome and rampageous if she intends to be my lady seymour the young man you see is a good deal with mrs hubert and that set and i'll bet you what you will that though he may be in love with our patty owing to their old acquaintance on board ship which is quite natural so handsome and affectionate as she is yet still i'll venture a good bet he'd say if he was asked that mrs hubert's manners and her daughter's too were exactly what is thought most elegant by people of high fashion and that's what you must try to appear if you can you know scarcely were these dangerous words uttered ere he was assailed by both wife and daughter who in the same instant burst upon him each trying as it seemed to outscream the other you don't mean to say vociferated the elder lady that any living being in their senses could give the preference to the cold starched hateful old maidish manners of agnes willoughby over mine mine gracious heaven that i should ever live to hear you say such a thing as that major mr i i mean mr allen o'donagough i should like to hear lord muckleberry's opinion on the point while these words were being uttered on one side of him a shrill young voice assailed him on the other with you think jack would like miss longshanks elizabeth better than me do you well then let him take her that's all i have got to say about it phew whistled mr o'donagough extending his hands as if to drive away a swarm of stinging flies what a racket you do make ladies about nothing at all you don't quite catch my meaning i perceive but perhaps by degrees i may be able to make you understand me better however we will say no more about it now if you please and by the by my barnaby there is something else to talk of which i dare say you will think more agreeable you have mentioned lord muckleberry and do you know my dear i should like exceedingly to find him out that you might renew your acquaintance and introduce me to him i will promise not to be jealous and i rather think he is one of the sort of people i should like to know there was in this speech wherewithal to heal very satisfactorily all the wounds inflicted by the former one the conversation immediately flowed into a most agreeable channel wherein a future of very great and hopeful splendour was sketched patty indeed fell asleep in the midst of it which was probably owing to some rather business-like details which entered into the discussion but scarcely ever had the ci-devant major and his barnaby passed an evening in more perfect harmony End of chapter twenty three